Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, everyone, we're in Genesis chapter 35, and as McGee calls this, it's um, a chapter that in many respects marks the passing of one generation going to the next generation. Um, in many respects, um, it is um, marking Jacob finally coming home back to Bethel, back where God was calling him to go. Bethel means house of God. In many respects, it's it's like a coming home uh, back to Bethel, coming home back to God after, you know, so many years that Jacob had spent working for Laban, um, you know, getting the wrong wife, pretending to be something he wasn't. Um, God uses the events ironically to teach him lessons. It's a, in many respects, this is a story of God's patience and how he's teaching Jacob lessons to prepare him to be a changed person. He uses a lot of time and tribulation to do this and as we said one generation passing to the next in the sense that we see Isaac dying and Esau and Jacob burying him at the very end so a lot of transitions here um, as we see people being prepared for the presence of God so let's jump in chapter 35 Verse 1, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. Dwell there, make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob left his household and to all who were with him. Now you begin to see Jacob preparing to come back to Bethel. He's preparing to come home. Um... And so he begins to, as opposed to what happened in chapter 34 when you didn't really see much of Jacob and his sons were trying to 
take matters into their own hands with vengeance and things like that after their son, uh, daughter, I mean, after their um, sister Dinah had been raped, um, you didn't really see Jacob as the head of the household. Now you're beginning to see him more as the head of the household. We're getting up. We're going back to Bethel. And he tells all his kids, put away the foreign gods that are among you. You know, he hadn't been much of a of a family leader, had he? You know, he lets all these foreign gods, you know, these these kids had taken the foreign gods with them. And uh, it kind of shows you that Jacob still hadn't become the man that God needed him to be. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that encouraging to us? Because... You know, sometimes when we say we believe in the Lord Jesus, what he's done, we aren't instantly changed and instantly holy and instantly worthy. You know, we still have a a sinful nature, prideful nature. We still have our faults and mistakes. And, and isn't it interesting that God uses things to shape us and change us and mold us? And uh, Jacob has been um, living quite a long time. And even now, God's calling him back home to Bethel. But he's still got all these children with foreign gods in their ha- in his household. Does he look like a guy that God would want to call, you know? Well, apparently, God sees something more in him. So, Jacob... We see again, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. So this is a way of getting prepared to be in God's presence. Purifying yourself and even washing your clothes or changing your garments. That was a, a another custom according to my study Bible. Verse 3, Then let us arise and go up to Bethel that I may make an altar there to God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Now my study Bible points out that the first time he was there at Bethel, that was when he was fleeing, going to um, to Laban's place. And um, when his mother Rebecca had sent him away after he cheated Esau out of the birthright. Remember that? But... He only built a pillar. He didn't really build an altar. Now he's building an altar. So it's kind of a it's symbolic of the growth in his faith that is taking place. And he acknowledges God that answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. He's acknowledging God now. Verse 4, So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Now, rings in their ears um, could have been rings in the foreign gods' ears because the foreign gods could wear rings too in their ears, but it could have been rings in their own ears because um, to worship the foreign gods, um, rings were a part of that. But in any event, they're taking the rings out They're owning up and giving up the gods. Okay? Jacob's trying to clean up his own household. And again, my study Bible points out that, you know, 
one of the commandments, the original commandments is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So Jacob is, uh, even though Moses hadn't given us the Ten Commandments yet, Jacob is obeying, you know, God's instruction, or he's, this is showing God's, you know, God's effect on him, that we cannot have any foreign gods before the one true God, and we, we need to clean ourselves up and purify ourselves. Jacob hid them under the Terbinith tree that was near Shem. So in other words, he probably buried them so nobody would find them. Verse 5, And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. A terror, we don't know what this terror means, but we got to remember in verse 34, you know, Simeon and Levi had just murdered all these people, Hamor and Shem, um, because of them raping um, their sister Dinah. And so as these guys were leaving, God put fear, God protected Jacob. And again, you don't see any description of of Jacob not wanting to make this journey because of fear of harm. And we've seen that um, several times already, that Jacob would always be scared. You know, even in verse 35, in chapter 35, after Simeon and Levi had committed all this murder, Jacob again talks about, My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. You know, we leave off in chapter 34 with Jacob fearful that they're going to get killed for what Simeon and Levi had done. Now God's telling him to move. And so, again, that makes him vulnerable to attack, but God this time protects him. Verse 6, And Jacob came to Lutz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people that were with him. Verse 7, And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel. So El Bethel translates to God of Bethel. So he builds an altar, altar there in Bethel, and uh, the, the uh, altar was called El Bethel. That's an altar, God of Bethel. So that's where he builds it. And again, you see this altar being built in a place where last time he was there on the run, um, he had only built a pillar. Verse 8, And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak tree below Bethel. So he called its name Alan Bakuth. Now, Rebekah was Isaac's wife. Rebekah was Jacob's mother. And um, Rebekah had sent her nurse, Deborah. And Deborah, apparently the nurse, was with Jacob when she died. And um, that was probably due to the promise that Jacob's mother, Rebekah, had made back in chapter 27, verse 45, when she promised him that she would send for him to come back to her. So she probably had already sent Deborah back to Jacob, and that's and Rebekah was probably traveling with him. In any event, Rebekah dies, 
She was buried there. Verse 9, God appeared to Jacob again when he came in from uh, Padam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, all right, now here's a promise that God makes, much like he had made Abraham and Isaac. Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So Jacob really is from Jacob's household. He's coming from the nation Israel. So he called in his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and I will give you the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken to him with him Bethel. Okay, so we see God's promise to Jacob, much like the promise he gives Abraham and Isaac. God blesses him, and he changes his name. And my study Bible says it's kind of symbolic of Jacob's transformation in his faith, in his trust in God. And this is the fulfillment of the promise that he gave Isaac and the promise he originally gave to Abraham. So now, verse 16, Then they had journeyed from Bethel, when they were still some distance from Ephrath. That is, Ephrath is another name for... Um, Bethlehem, so they're still on their way to um, Mamre, where Isaac was living. They're still on their way. So there was still some distance from Bethlehem or Ephrath. Rachel went into labor. So Rachel's getting ready to, to bear Jacob, another son. And she had a hard labor, and that means... There was probably some complication. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. So the midwife is telling Rachel as she's dying, she's going to have another, it's going to be a boy. But she probably knows the labor is not going well. She probably knows she's dying. And she called his name Benoni. And I believe... That translates maybe have a double meaning. It means son of my sorrow, um, but it could mean son of my strength in this sense of a son is being born during this time of tragedy. But in any event, his father you know, changed the name to Benjamin. It's kind of a similar, but Benjamin means son of my right hand. So Rachel died, obviously in childbirth, and um, 
was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem, buried on the way to Bethlehem, and Jacob set a pillar over her tomb, and it is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pinched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. So you've got a lot of change here. Jacob, his name now is Israel. He's got 12 sons now, an even dozen. Rachel, his wife, dies in childbirth. But he's got probably his two favorite sons from Rachel because he was always partial to Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. And then you've got a whole bunch of other sons from Lee and their servants, from Rachel's servants and Rebecca's servants. But these boys didn't amount, as McGee says, to much uh, compared to Joseph and Benjamin. And then you've got Isaac, the father, um, who's going to die soon. Rebecca, who has already died. And Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, who's already died. So a lot of change. Now, we list the sons of Jacob. You've got, um, meaning 12, that's what we get um, here. And before that, just a really, um, an isolated verse here in, in verse 22. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bila, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. In other words, Reuben shouldn't do that. And uh, Rachel's servant, Billa, um, perhaps Reuben was the oldest, and Reuben was trying to assert his authority. Um, but in any event, um, Reuben doesn't get uh, a blessing. According to my study Bible, later on, we'll find this out. But in any event, we've got the sons of Lee, which is Reuben. That's the firstborn, Jacob's firstborn. Simeon and Levi, who just committed all this terrible murder. Judah, Ishkadat, and Zebulun. And the sons of Rachel, these are the favored sons, it looks like, Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Billi, one of the servants, Rachel's servant, whom Reuben defiles. Dan and Nephathali, the sons of Zilpah, Lee's servant, Gad and Asher. And these were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padam Aram. Okay, then you get to verse 27. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Okay, so now... Jacob comes back home. Now, the days of Isaac were 180 years. He lived a long time, didn't he? And Isaac breathed his last, and he died and was gathered to his people, old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Now, they buried him at the cave of Machpelah that Abraham originally bought. So this is where all the, the patriarchs, you've got Abraham and Sarah. Now you've got Jacob um, burying Isaac. Isaac's buried with his father Abraham. And um, Rebecca's probably buried there too. Um, 
Rachel is not buried there. Uh, Rachel was buried on the way. So, again, we, we stop here. We This draws chapter 35 to a close, and we see um, a lot of transition. One generation to the next, Jacob is now blessed by God, receives his father's original blessing, the original blessing given to his grandfather, Abraham. And we see... Joseph and Benjamin, born to Rachel. Rachel dies. Rebecca's died. And um, as McGee says, we are transitioning from one generation to the next. So now we're going to stop here. And we'll continue our study tomorrow through this really amazing book of Genesis. And it's showing us how God is using very, very imperfect people to carry out His plan and purposes. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Batali. Batali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your study today. God bless you all, and as always, keep your hearts centered on Christ. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Genesis chapter 35, beginning at verse 1 all the way through to verse 29. So in this chapter, we will see a change in Jacob's life. So all the way through Jacob's life from the beginning until um, Peniel, the thing that happened in his life was the rise of self. So Jacob was living in the flesh. He was living for self. And the assertion of the flesh and what happened at Peniel was the fall of self. Now he started living for God. So there was no faith in Jacob's life. And chapter 34 is evidence of this. So the events that happened here in chapter 34, that Jacob is not, you know, it actually just shows that Jacob is not actually a leader in his own home. So he was not a spiritual giant. He was raising all those boys, 12 sons. So after the tragic events, we see now that Jacob is beginning to see the hand of God in his life. So the tragedy that happened uh, in Shalem, and you know, Shechem is um, still like uh, the, the tragedy that happened in uh, Shalem. We see Jacob is still depending on his own cleverness. He's not depending on God, and he should not have stayed over in um, in the in the land of Shechem. So. It was a tragic event where his daughter from um, Leah, his first wife, that's Dina, she was raped. And then we have <coughs> Leah's brothers, Simeon and um, Levi. <coughs> they took matters in their own hands. And, you know, they went and uh, and, 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 and saw the prince, prince um, of uh, Shechem. And um, even though the prince admitted to having um, done what he did and he wanted to marry their sister Dina but they killed him and Jacob's sons um, they conducted a slaughter and when they came home Jacob rebuked them um, and not their sin he didn't rebuke their sin he rebuked them he said you um, have made my name 
smell, you know, obnoxious among the people of my land. So the fact of the matter is he wasn't ready for Bethel, you know, because everyone says, you know, maybe she'd have gone straight to Bethel, but he wasn't ready for Bethel. Um, and for some people, it takes like a, 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 an event, a major event to happen in their lives for them to actually realize that, you know, God is trying to communicate with them. So Jacob, in Jacob's case, from, you know, the, from Haran, when he was running away from his uncle Laban with his family, he wasn't ready to go to Bethel yet because he was still, um, you know, he his life, you know, he was still living for self. He was living in the flesh. And Jacob had a great lesson to actually learn. And he's starting to actually see that the sins of the past do catch up. You know, as scripture says, whatsoever a man sows, so shall he reap. And as Dr. Jeeva McGee keeps pointing out, the chickens are coming home to roost. Verse 1 of our teaching today, from, verse 30, from chapter 35 reads, then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So now God is calling Jacob back to Bethel after, you know, this very sad and tragic experience. Um, he's prepared to now to go. Jacob is prepared to go. And like I said, you know, some people, it's like a nudge. Like a certain tragic event happens in their lives. That's when now they, you know, wake up and see the hand of God. So he didn't have faith initially uh, to actually move out. That's why he settled in um, Shechem. Verse 2 goes on to read, Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. So Jacob now starts to take control, starts to take the leadership. And they're told, and Jacob actually now tells his family to do the following first, to put away the, you know, the strange gods, the idols. So when Jacob um, fled from Uncle Laban, if we recall back to our previous studies with Rachel and Lair, so Rachel ship, um, she actually slipped out the family gods, that is the little images um, from her uncles, from her from her father's house, yeah, and she sat on them, on the luggage that uh, was to go on oh, so when Uncle Lita was looking for them, he couldn't find them, because she was sitting on them and um, it actually would be assumed that, you know, since um, it was Jacob's home, and he knew the true and living God that he, you know, after he found out that he would actually get rid of them at the time, and at that time he did not. He did not know uh, when Uncle Eben was looking for them. He didn't know that they had them, but afterwards he actually surely did see them. And, you know, so you would actually think, you know, he would actually get rid of them, but he didn't. So the entire family, we see, are worshipping these images. And, you know, today we find that there is too many folks, too many people serving other gods. You know, for, for, for instance, you know, for six days, 
you know, people will go and worship the almighty dollar, their, you know, their covetous and their, um, they worship their job, you know, chasing money, chasing paper, um, et cetera, et cetera. And on Sunday, you know, for six days, they worship other gods and on Sunday, the Lord, and then they wonder why their service on Sunday is not a thrilling experience, they fail to understand and concentrate and, um, you know, they're just not having that joy. And one thing they fail to understand is they, they don't want to put away um, their gods, what they've prioritized in their lives. Because anything can be a god, whatever you put priority, top priority. And then the second thing that Jacob asked was, uh, purify yourselves. This actually means confess confession of sins. So you have to deal with sin in your life. So one can come on a Sunday and ignore uh, the week that just passed, whatever they did. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we turn to John, first John one nineteen. It reads, sorry, First John 1 verse 9 reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Jacob here now is saying to them, he's telling them to purify themselves, to confess their sins. And the third thing that he's mentioned here is change your garments. So get rid of your old garments. And garments in scripture um, speaks of habits. You know, those habits that we tend to develop. And today as well, you know, a child of God um, has certain habits. Um, so, you know, if, if, if we look in, like, say, for example... In our churches today, um, you have people belonging to certain cliques and certain groups, and um, you know, and we do certain habits, certain things, and you know, one should actually confess their sins um, and look at those bad habits that they ought to let go if we ought to receive our blessings from God. So. A child of God um, has these habits and they should um, look in the mirror and, you know, try and see who they are and what they are living for and um, who exactly they actually belong to. So one should actually wear the, the garment of God as a child of God. Verse 3 goes on to read, Then let us... Arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me the way which I have gone. So here, Abraham and Isaac, they had made the altar, and now Jacob is making an altar. And Jacob remembered when he was actually running away from home as a young man, he came to Bethel. And he actually made a temple there. Uh, yes, he made an altar for God there. And God had been faithful to him. 
So God said, I will be faithful to you. So people today should notice that, you know, the years spent in living a careless, shoddy life and, you know, shabby Christian life um, is a waste of time that could have, you know, that one could have received God's blessings, but because we delay our own blessings. You know, God's blessings are always there, but we delay them because of the kind of life we're living. So, you know, let's not waste our lives as a Christian. So, um, you know, God says he is the God. You, sorry, scripture actually says he is the God of Jacob. And if we look at Jacob, it's not a very good example in the beginning, you know, the beginning of his life before he found Christ when he was living for self. But he says he's the God of Jacob and if he can be the God of Jacob, then he can be our God too. We may fall short of the glory of God, but he is our God. He is merciful and gracious. Verse 4 goes on to read, So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the Terebinth tree which was by Shechem. Shechem, rather. So earrings here they've mentioned earrings they were associated with worship of idols in that day and jacob got rid of all of the idols scripture goes on to read verse five and they journeyed and the terror of god was upon the cities that were all around them and they did not pursue the sons of jacob so jacob came to luz this is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. So this was the name he actually gave it when he fled from Esau, his brother. So it was called Luz. And then he gave it this name and he built a temple for, an altar, sorry, for God there. Verse 8 goes on to read, Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and she was buried below Bethel under the Terebinth tree. So the name of it was called Alon Ba-Chuth. I hope I read that right. So this is like a side note from the main story and the important thing um, we assume here even if we're not told is that Deborah was with Jacob at the time that Rebecca had died so it's like Deborah brought the news about um, Jacob's uh, mother Rebecca passing on and Jacob never saw his mother or you know as Dr. Jim McGee put it, it was sad for his mother because she never got uh, a chance to see him. When she actually sent him to Haran, she said it was just for a short while, but it ended up being 20 years. Verse 9 goes on to read, Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. So all those years, God had been trying to actually deal with Jacob. And now... His um, 
Hanau, um, he actually picks up right where he le- he he had actually met him when he met him in Bethel. That was like twenty years ago, as um, a grown man. Verse ten goes on to read, and God said to him, "Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel." shall be your name so he called him israel also god said to him i am god almighty be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body the land which i gave abraham and isaac i give you and to your descendants after you I give this land. So the Lord considers this piece of property very, very important. Very important because this is the third time he's actually speaking of it. You know, first he told Abraham, he gave Abraham the promise, then Isaac, and now Jacob. And you know, each time the Lord actually said it more than once. <laughs> With Abraham he said it a couple of times. Verse 14 goes into read. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him a pillar of stone and he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it so this is actually the first time a drink offering is being mentioned and in leviticus 5 offerings are given but not a drink offering and no instructions are given about it at all but it's actually mentioned so it's one of the oldest offerings that's mentioned in scripture and has you know a lovely meaning to believers today. So it was just poured on the other offerings and it went up in steam. And that's the way Paul told the Philippians he wanted to be just poured out like a drink offering. Scripture goes on to read verse 15. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had a hard labor. So Rachel had one son that's Jacob, Joseph, sorry, already, and now she had a second son. So it goes into verse 17. Now it came to pass. Sorry, verse 18. And so it was. Oh, sorry. Let me read verse 17, right? Sorry. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear. You will have this son also. And so it was as her soul was departing, for she died. That she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So she called him, you know, she, when she was in child labor, that's Rachel. Um, it was a very hard labor. At um, She passed on, but before she passed on, she gave him the name Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. And Jacob, you know, it was such a beautiful thing. And Jacob named him. Benjamin, son of my right hand. Verse 19 goes on to read. 
So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. So Ephrath is Bethlehem. And, um, you know, her tomb is still there. Verse 20 goes on to read, And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is a pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. So that's at the time um, Moses was writing this, but um, this tomb is still there till today. And um, scripture goes on to read verse 21. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder, and it happened when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bila, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The son of Leir, the sons of Leir, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ishkar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bila, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. Tali and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asha. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. Then Jacob came to his father Isaac in Mamre or Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. So Isaac breathed his last breath, his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. And his son Esau and Jacob buried him. Okay, so we have from verse 21 through to verse 28. Um, you know, it's a listing of Jacob's sons that are listed here. So Joseph and Benjamin were the two outstanding boys out of all of them. And the others didn't turn out well. And this, it just proves a fact that what God had said, that the thing that had been done by Uncle Laban and Jacob went along with it, um, that he does not bless, you know, pluralism or polygamy of wives. And Jacob's family proves this. You know, all of Leah's kids did not turn out so well. And we have in verse 29, that was the only other time the two boys, that's Esau and um, Jacob, met to bury their father, Isaac. Okay, so this is our teaching for today. My main takeaway is, you know, it's about... Um, the cliques, like in in churches, as children of God, you know, we tend to um, not stand for God. Even if something is wrong, we tend to just go by it. Because, um, you know, like Jacob, when instead of rebuking the sin that his sons had committed, he was rebuking the effect of what it might do to his reputation in society. And that's what a lot of people tend to, to do. Like a lot of Christians in churches, you know, they tend to, because the clique they're found with all approve of a particular way of doing things. And they do not want to stand up and 
will stand for God because they want to follow the crowd. And in the end, you tend to wonder why, you know, you just, as a Christian, like, you say, um, my blessings are, like, I never have any blessings from God or my prayers are never answered. It's because as a Christian, you don't, you don't have, you do not have a stand for God. So let us stand for God and um, let us stand for the right thing. So this is our TV for today. Thank you all for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.